Broadcasting live from the couch, this is Pop Culture Reference, your one-stop reference for all things pop culture. I'm one of your hosts, Seamus Connolly. I'm Garrett Strother. I'm Ricardo. Hello. Ooh, keeping it concise this week, Ricardo. I like it. Have one of those early morning records. We got that sleepy energy here, but I think we're gonna we're gonna pep up here once we get into our news, because we've got some we've got some pretty interesting stuff coming up first. Well, interesting or sad, because we lost two absolute legends this week. Actors Cicely Tyson and Cloris Leachman both have passed away, leaving behind decades and decades of tremendous work. Cicely Tyson was 96 and just two days before her death published her memoirs. Oh, wow. And then Cloris Leachman was 94. So, both long, full lives full of iconic, groundbreaking work. Yeah, long, full lives, long, very full Mm. careers on screen. Definitely will be remembered for ages to come just for the the extent of their... You know, like the extent of their work just goes back for so long. Am I crazy? Truly. Or was a young Cloris Leachman in Kiss Me Deadly? Am I getting that right? That old... Ooh, maybe. She was like the, the woman on. running through the road at the beginning. She's like murdered, I think, for her information. Yep. Yeah, did I get that right? Her oh. feature film debut. Look at oh, you, wow. Shane. Oh, hey. wow. You're a Cloris Leachman super fan? She's... I honestly love Cloris Leachman. She's great in that movie. Oh, she's so good in Young Frank. It's, she's hilarious in, like, everything she's in, except for, you know, Kiss Me Deadly. She's being, like, rounded up by gangsters, but... Mm-hmm. And, I mean, a absolutely devastating performance in Peter Bogdanovich's The Last Picture Show. I don't think I saw The Last Picture Show. Oh, my goodness. That is a fantastic movie if you just want to be mad about the world. Um, also... I would be remiss if I didn't mention Nurse Specs from Sky High. Oh, of course. Mm-hmm. Her, her lollipop analogy. Like, give her an Oscar for that alone. Should we move on? Yeah, please, because I also realized I introed that by saying it was interesting news, so let's get out of here. This is some actually interesting news, but also not that surprising. Matt Damon has been officially cast in Thor 4 Love and Thunder which I'm assuming he will be playing the same role he played in Thor Ragnarok as the Asgardian actor portraying Loki. Now, real quick, did they specifically say he was an Asgardian actor, or did Loki just steal Matt Damon? Because <laughs> it's I possible. Mean, honestly, I like that one more. I don't know if they ever explained brilliant. it for sure in the in the credits of Ragnarok, but... He's uncredited, but INDB has him listed as actor Loki. Still could be Matt Damon. Other casting news, Kate Blanchett and Kevin Hart are going to be in a Borderlands movie, which is really weird all around. Yeah, have either of you guys played... This is, this is a bad idea. <laughs> you think so? Have you, have you guys ever played the, the Borderlands games? I've played some of Borderlands 2. Yeah. Never really got same. into it. I wanted to, like, play it from the first one, even though I hear you don't really have to do that at all. And then I just never got around to it. Everything about it, it feels like I would really dig it, because I like the cell shading aspect of it. And it's funny. From what I've played, it's, like, written pretty well. It's just something about the gameplay, I couldn't get into it. 
Kevin Hart is cast as Roland. Roland. Is that shirt. an original character? Or is that someone from the games? Do you know? It's from someone from the games. I'm looking at it right now. Could this guy funny. looks nothing like Kevin Hart. I'll give it that. Yeah. <laughs> We've been talking about Kevin Hart a lot lately. Did, what's the deal? Is he coming back? I hope not. Did he go away? <laughs> I think like, he got... well, I mean, like, they wouldn't let him host the That's Oscars. That's what I was going to say. You think that would have done something to do his career? Come on, you didn't think he was hilarious when you were, like, 13 years old and he was coming Literally, up? Literally, I have never yeah. thought Kevin Hart was funny. Really? I definitely used to be on board for his, like, hi- super hyper, but... Got tired real fast. I, I know you're, like, you guys are defenders of the new Jumanji movies. Those aren't good because Kevin yeah, Hart's in them. Yeah, they're not because of him. <laughs> he doesn't add much. Oh, that's yeah. right. You still have Yeah, man, seen I haven't it. seen either of them. I don't know, maybe I was, uh, what came out around the first Jumanji that made me not want to see that? It was, like, another remake. Uh, Paddington 2. I don't know. What, yeah, what are you, an encyclopedia, what are you, Dr. Movies over here? You don't know the answer to this weird question. Literally, I've been called Dr. Movies before, okay, <laughs> it's fun. Garrett, a.k.a. Dr. Movies, that's pretty fun. Uh, that's how I'll introduce myself next week. <laughs> uh, the name's Garrett, you can call me Dr. Movies. Please, Mr. Movies is my father, I'm Dr. Movies. It's coming, I thought that they had already announced that it was coming in March, but Snyder Cut is coming in March, March 18th, baby, because I had a fever dream that it was coming out in March, and then I desperately searched for a release date forever and couldn't find one and it's coming out in march so here we go they had said march ish back when we were recording with our friend diego and i said it before and i'll say it again it's just like it's coming too soon here i'm not ready to do this to myself would you ever have been ready really i guess not (laughs) it's like (laughs) nerves about of just a bad long movie that I can't shake, it's... Four hours. I'm honestly a little excited just because it is just the weirdest spectacle of them all. He can't make me care about this damn DC universe, man. I just can't do it. You know what I can care about? Monsters punching each other in the face. God, that is so much of a better idea. Godzilla versus King Kong. Or it's just Godzilla versus Kong, excuse me. Say We're talking about the trailer, Kong. by the way, if anyone didn't pick up on that. Oh, yeah, yeah, new trailer. It looks dope. I wish I could see it on a big screen, if I'm being honest, but I'll take what yeah, I can get. Yeah. I As someone who wasn't super into the idea of this movie, because the last one was just kind of okay, I'm sold on this one, man. I'm in all the way. Let's do it. You ready for the big matchup? Oh, yeah, but this is better than pay-per-view. I'm down. <laughs> I still need to see uh, Skull Island. That's been on my list for ages, and now I 100% need to see it before this movie comes out because I'm, I'm all caught up on the new Godzilla lore, and I am an unapologetic fan of the Peter Jackson King Kong. Garrett, you've been talking about how good this uh, Skull Island was for, for a long time here, and I'm also, I'm with Ricardo. I'm just so excited about this movie. I am vowing it now, in March, at some point before Godzilla vs. Kong drops, we will do an episode on Kong Skull Island, maybe pair it up with the new Godzilla, because I haven't seen that one. Oh man, that would be a pretty great double feature. Are you sure you don't want to do the Matthew Broderick Godzilla from 2000? Cause... <laughs> is that not what, it's not, is Matthew Broderick not in this movie? I... Well, speaking of Kong, we are getting a... Skull Island anime coming to Netflix alongside a 
Laura Croft anime, both being produced by Legendary, who obviously made the Kong Skull Island and other MonsterVerse movies, and the new Laura Croft movie, and I, maybe old ones too, I'm not sure. The Laura Croft one, uh, that's going to be, a, I think, a sequel to the reboot of the games that came out a couple years ago. Oh, interesting. Me and Garrett were actually just talking about those games. It really looks here that uh, Netflix is coming in hot with that claim we were talking about last week that they're they're looking to surpass Disney in animation. They're they're coming in with some hot properties for their animation department. Does it seem really weird to you guys that these aren't on HBO, especially considering the fact that Kong vs Godzilla is going to be on HBO and is owned by Warner Brothers? Oh, that is weird. How did that work out? Is that just like? It's probably some kind of weird rights distribution technicality where Warner Brothers has distribution rights to any Kong or MonsterVerse feature films, but doesn't necessarily have the guarantee on distribution rights for any series or something like that. And in addition to that, Netflix is getting a Neil Gaiman's Sandman series. The cast has been announced for that, including Tom Sturridge. As Dream, also starring Gwendolyn Christie from Game of Thrones. I do not know a ton about this. I know that Neil Gaiman wrote Sandman. That's what I got for you. (laughs) I know Gwendolyn Christie's real good. I hear Sandman's really good. I should probably read it. Maybe when the series comes out, we'll do an episode on the... It's it's a graphic novel, correct? Yeah, it's it's a series of graphic novels, like a bunch of them. Maybe we'll do an episode on the first of them or something before the series comes out. But speaking of Game of Thrones, HBO Max is developing an animated Game of Thrones series, which makes it the third spinoff that Game of Thrones is coming out with, considering the fact that literally nobody cares about it. Yeah, they're just like... Yeah, man, they kind of killed all their momentum. Throwing stuff at a wall, seeing if it'll pick back, you know, all the steam that it had going towards the end of the last season. I have never seen anything drop out of the cultural mindset so quickly. Yeah, God, that was just such a, like, everybody was, like, foaming at the mouth, and then they flipped a switch after that last episode. People were angry for a week, and now the best I see is, like, oh, it's that one guy from Game of Thrones, like, ten years ago, and he's gonna be in a Marvel thing now. The other spinoffs are going to be, like, a big time difference, right, between the actual show? One of them is, like, a direct prequel, essentially, to the series about the last war before the Game of Thrones. Will this come out? Maybe. Probably not. An animated Game of Thrones thing? I don't see a market for that, to be honest. I think one of these reboots will come out. Nobody will care, even if it's good. And then they'll do a season of it and it'll be over. And they'll say it was always supposed to be a limited series, even though it God, was. You've got them, you've got them pegged, Garrett. Here's something actually interesting coming from HBO Max, though. A live-action series set in the Harry Potter universe. And so what that says to me is Warner Brothers is sitting up in their, up in their studio lot thinking, we need a property that can rival Star Wars to build out this kind of cinematic universe... Marvel style, and then there's an executive sitting up there going, coming soon to HBO Max. The Mage. It's it's a guy, and he's a he's a he's a battle hardened wizard, and 
and he finds, oh, it's Baby Dobby. The kids are going to love Baby oh Dobby, everybody. In the... <laughs> you sold me at Baby Dobby. Stop talking. Oh, God. Like, I'm serious. I do think that they're looking at Star Wars and thinking we could do yeah. that. We can rebrand to be this kind of mega franchise with all of these tendrils everywhere. They tried to do it with the Wizarding World, um, with the uh, I'm Eddie Redmayne and I talk really quiet. Um, Fantastic Beasts movies. <laughs> Fantastic Beasts. And um, it didn't work out, but I think they are seeing Disney Plus's success with The Mandalorian and now you know the, these new Marvel shows coming out the pipeline and they're like, well, if there's a market for high-budget, live-action, blockbuster-caliber television... Why not get in on that? And I mean, I'm interested. There's so much room to spread out in the Harry Potter universe. Maybe J.K. Rowling won't have any direct involvement. <laughs> that would be nice. This is about to say. I think that Harry Potter game that I've been going crazy trying to find information for for like a year straight. The game is an RPG where you're a student at Hogwarts in the 1800s, which is what we've been wanting forever. And what I feel like... A- yeah right i mean i think that makes a lot of sense and i feel like the whatever this show is going to be is going to be probably pretty similar of just like hogwarts time period get a lot of fan service a lot of references but it's still a new original story that they can like play around with a lot without the uh permission of jk rowling per se i hope it's good i hope it's like on par with some of the really cool shows we've been getting on disney plus let's Um, move on to some more Really cool HBO Max news. Well, HBO Max rumors, rumors, rumors is more like, but it's substantial enough that we decided it's probably worth talking about on the show because Kevin Smith has said that he's heard rumblings that HBO Max is working on a Batman the Animated Series sequel, which is a weird way to say Batman Beyond. <laughs> but, I mean, I think that would be cool. I've been looking for an excuse to watch the animated series in its entirety, so... This might actually put a fire under me to do yeah, it. man, they're trying to capitalize on all this DC stuff right now, so it only makes sense that they would try to take something with the most, like, nostalgia factor and the most, like, actual entertainment factor and try to run with it again. I didn't know how to feel about this when I heard it. I'm, I'm coming around, though. Bring back Paul Dini, Bruce Tim. It's animations, you can just jump right back into where they left off, because... The original animated series doesn't have, like, a finale, because it just kind of jumped into Justice League in that whole interconnection Oh, interesting. Thing. So they really could... Our last piece of news, which will probably take a minute to break down, I'm sure you've heard, because this goes way beyond entertainment news, this is news news, that essentially people on Reddit were able to mobilize together to buy and raise the price of GameStop stock and then eventually moving on to other falling stocks like AMC theaters. And as a result, bankrupting hedge funds who had taken out shorts on those stocks, which is just, I mean, crazy. It's making me smile real big, though, that's for sure. Hell yeah. Oh, (laughs) yeah. yeah. I mean, here's the thing. I'm not an economist or anybody who knows. I took intro to business in high school, you know, but... (laughs) Um, I have no idea about what the economic impacts are of this kind of trading. I mean, obviously, 
there is some cause for concern about any kind of destabilization of the markets in such a tumultuous moment in history, but, I mean, just as a guy who's looking at everyday people making a ton of money over Wall Street brokers and hedge fund managers, it is a beautiful thing. hell yeah. You know, it's just funny that these guys recognized it, and they were like, we're going to you make a bunch of money instead, and then the hedge fund was like, you're not supposed to do that. We were going to do that, and you took our thing, and now we're <laughs> going to get the government to shut down Robin Hood or whatever. I'm sure we are going to see a lot of legal fallout from all this, but in the meantime, like the news more relevant to this show is it's temporarily good news for GameStop and AMC. Yeah, they're like out of... Something like AMC had a $600 million debt deficit that's been, like, completely cleared now because people are buying all their stock, and mm. I think kind of the same thing with GameStop. They were, like, ready to fold, so... Let's move on to our main segment. We're going to be talking the battle of the streaming services. So our main segment this week's going to be a little bit different. We're going to be doing something called the battle of the streaming services, where we're going to break down and kind of rank each streaming service based on price, the quality of their content, general interface, stuff like that. But we're mostly going to be looking at it as it relates to the value posed to the consumer. We're not going to be talking larger politics about the companies or whether the service as a general concept is dumb. Because frankly, I think we can all agree that most streaming services are superfluous and should just be integrated into other streaming services. Truly. But we're going to be talking just solely based on, like, these are the main streaming services that we're seeing available now. We're not talking about premium cable channels with streaming options, with the exception, kind of, of HBO Max. But I think at that point, that's essentially its own streaming service, which we'll get to when we talk about HBO Max. But right now, we're going to run down the list, talk about general price, our impressions of those services, and then at the end we're going to do a general recap where we kind of rank, go through what's the best bang for your buck, and which streaming services should you consider getting. First off, we're going to talk about the granddaddy of all streaming services, the one that you had to get a disc to put in your Wii to stream originally, Netflix. So, Netflix, they've been around forever. They have three tiers of pricing. They've got their basic tier, where you can only watch one screen at a time in standard definition, which is $8.99 a month. Their standard tier, which is in high definition, where you can watch two screens at a time, and that is $13.99 a month. And then their <laughs> premium service is Ultra HD 4K streaming, with four screens for $17.99, 18 whole dollars Damn, I didn't realize that Netflix got that high. Unlike most of these streaming services, they cap by definition. Like, Amazon Prime Video, for example, like, you can just watch 4K if you've got Amazon Prime and a 4K TV, but nope, not Netflix. They're like, you gotta shell out the big bucks for that. Here, let me give you guys a little bit of a rundown on content. Obviously, you guys know what's on these things, but just for the people at home, and then you guys can bring up other stuff if you want to talk about it that I don't mention, obviously. Some... Significant original content from Netflix is Stranger Things, The Crown, The Queen's Gambit, The Five Bloods, Bridgerton, a whole slew of Nickelodeon co-productions, a bunch of Adam Sandler films, 
and a bunch of Kevin Hart films that are coming out of the pipeline. Obviously, things on Netflix change all the time, but in terms of like outside content, they have things like Breaking Bad, The Good Place, Avatar, The Last Airbender, The Bulls documentary, The Last Dance from ESPN. Obviously, there's a really high turnover of content on Netflix that's not Netflix originals, but that's just kind of a grab bag of quality titles that they have on the service right now. Yeah, they've always had a pretty good selection, as far as I can remember. Their their originals have definitely risen in quality, I think, since, like, I don't know, maybe Stranger Things, the first season of that came out. I feel like they've been funneling a lot more of their money after the success of that first Stranger Things into their originals, and I know they're they're one of the companies that shells out big bucks to keep the popular sitcoms. I know, didn't they pay like a million dollars to NBC to keep friends for an extra year and a million bajillion five hundred million dollars. It was it was, it was literally like, oh five hundred million dollars. For, yes. I like friends, don't get me wrong. I think they also did a similar thing with The Office, just because they've been trying to hold on to that stuff before the streaming services around them have been getting bigger, like Peacock, I guess, would be the one that would get both of those. What are you guys' general impressions on Netflix, other than I definitely do not think it's worth the price? Uh, how about this? The only reason I have Netflix is because my sister's best friend gave her the password. Hey, man, that's the yeah. ultimate way to do streaming service stuff is just sharing it around. I mean, yeah, if I had to pay for it on my own, I, I don't mean, know if I would. We were talking before of, like, you know, it's the OG streaming service is the first one all the way back to, like, mailing you DVDs. I mean, they used to have all the Marvel stuff. They used to have new TV shows. They used to, like, from all the different networks. And... But now that everything's becoming so specialized, it's all getting separated out. And I frankly think Netflix is being left with not very much good content. And I would consider getting a month here or a month there to watch something like Stranger Things or if there's a movie like The Five Bloods that I really wanted to see. But yeah, I just don't think they have very good content. Also, really... If you're looking for any movies from before, like, 1980, yeah, for real. good luck. It's all newer content, and even then, they don't have the newest content. You have to go to most other streaming services to get, like, the brand new content. Netflix's sweet spot is, like, movies that were pretty popular in 2010. Yeah, that is, that's a pretty good descriptor, unless you're looking for like, Bollywood movies, because then they, they got the hookup, man. Every time there's a new slate yeah. of... They got a lot that's of, true. of Truly. foreign Every time stuff. there's a new slate of movies that they're bringing on, at least half of it is uh, foreign language, and at least half of that is, like, from India. Out of all of the streaming services we're going to talk about, they have one of the best interfaces, except for the fact that it does that stupid autoplay yeah, trailers I, thing I that you can I feel like recently they gave the option oh, yeah, to turn annoying. that off, but for the life of me, I cannot figure it out. They're overpriced for what they offer, and they're and pretty much anything you would want Netflix for, there's another service that does it better. The only reason that they're still on top is because they're yeah, the I think first so too. ones that did it. All right, you guys want to take a step on over to our next contender here? Absolutely, yeah. Amazon Prime Video, formerly known as Amazon Prime Instant Video. Obviously, you don't just get Amazon Prime Video when you sign up for Amazon Prime. You also sign up for, you know, Amazon Prime, which comes with Amazon Prime Music, <laughs> which is worthless. And, you know, Amazon Prime itself. That comes at twelve ninety nine a month or $119 per year. 
Or if you're a student, you could get a six-month free trial followed by getting it for $59 a year. Which I think is Honestly, a really good just deal. the standard pricing of twelve ninety nine a month is already kind of blows Netflix out of the water there, because that's even cheaper than their medium tier, which even then seems like kind of too little. In terms of original content, they've got Amazon original films like One Night in Miami and Sound of Metal, which are both like high caliber Oscar contenders coming out this year. The Man in the High Castle, The Boys, Jack Ryan all kind of action-oriented, high-quality television that they're producing. From outside content, again, kind of a grab bag of what they've got on the service at the moment. Knives Out, Community, 30 Rock, Dr. Strangelove, or How I Learned to Stop Worrying and Love the Bomb. Lots of Alfred Hitchcock films. They have a really nice balance of new stuff that you're actually like looking for because you just saw it was out in theater, and classic films like they have a really good library of older classics yeah their content is one of the more impressive you know catalogs to me in this lineup of streaming services and that probably does have something to do with amazon just being such a big just such a mega corporation that they just have the rights to sell and rent out so many of these things that they just ended up swallowing it all and giving it out as a bonus to their prime members in terms of their interface, I think it's really bad. It's a really, like, no matter what platform you're on, I think it's difficult to browse. It's hard to tell what is included with Prime and what isn't, which is one really major drawback of That's always been Amazon. so... Yeah, I agree. It's mm, always been so annoying. Amazon, I think, is the most transparently trying to copy Netflix's interface, but with none of the polish. It's just like, we've got our letterbox yeah. thumbnails... And then you scroll through them, and it's like, no, there's a little bit more nuance to it than that. At least they don't autoplay trailers, but who would you recommend Amazon to? A person trying to get what out of Honestly, I think if you're a student and you can get access to that uh, student pricing, altogether that definitely makes it feel worth it. Yeah, I was about to say the whole Prime thing. Like, Odds are you already have an Amazon Prime account for the other stuff, so you also true. already have it yeah i think if you're looking for a practical way to have a streaming service this is definitely the best one for that because you're getting so much other stuff than just a streaming service and it's still competitively priced as a streaming service i move on to hulu i like hulu hulu used to be a free service back in the day in a way it really preceded netflix because it was a way that you could watch recent TV episodes with ads streaming for free. But right now, their prices are, with ads, $5.99 a month or $59.99 a year, and no ads is $11.99. And just real quick. Well, okay, let's talk about, again, some original content that Hulu has created. The Handmaid's Tale, The Great, starring Nicholas Holt and Elle Fanning, Pen15, Animaniacs, Little Fires Everywhere, then they've got movies like Palm Springs and Happiest Season. Outside content, they are on fire. Because in addition to having basically every network, TV, and cable show that's not CBS, they've got movies like Parasite, Portrait of a Lady on Fire, The Lord of the Rings trilogy. I love Hulu. That's where I watch all my TV. That's what Hulu's just become. Like, mm -hmm. You like TV shows? Hulu. FX especially, that's really cool. 
yeah, I really like Hulu. I think, once again, their interface is awful. I don't find it difficult to navigate, but I think it's incredibly hard to find new things. I have to go look. Yeah, I also feel like all of the categories that I I would tend to look through on Hulu are like ten titles long, and then I have to like go find another menu with the rest of the titles that would maybe fit under that category. Something I do appreciate yeah. about Hulu is that it doesn't interrupt your movie with ads. You watch that like two ads nice. at the beginning and you're done. For what it's worth, I think six dollars a month is a pretty great price. Plus, they literally give yeah. away Hulu subscriptions with everything. Technically, I should be getting Hulu included with like my phone plan, but I pay for Spotify <laughs> and they gave me Hulu. Exactly. So like you just like stumble blindly through life and you're going to pick up a couple of Hulu subscriptions along the way. All right. What do you guys think about moving on to our next service? Absolutely. The, the Disney Plus. New kid on the Same block. Heavy Hulu. hitter. Heavy hitter, truly. So, for twelve ninety nine a month, you can get Hulu with ads, Disney+, and ESPN+. Or, if you're just interested in Disney+, you could get it for six ninety nine a month, or sixty nine ninety nine for a year. Quality original content. You know what's going on. They've got The Mandalorian, WandaVision, World According to Jeff Goldblum, all the freaking Marvel shows that are coming out. Plus, if you want to count, something like Soul technically is a Disney Plus original, even though it was supposed to come out theatrically. But Disney Plus, along with some others that we'll talk about in a second, really kind of blurs the line between original content and exclusive, because obviously Disney Plus is its own studio, so they have exclusive rights to stream all the Star Wars films. Most of the Marvel films, not all of them are exclusively on Disney Plus, but a lot of them are. Um, Most Disney films are on there. All the Pixar movies are on there. Huge amounts of National Geographic, plus a ton of Fox stuff like X-Men, Avatar, and The Simpsons. Plus, they've got, like, the Muppets, the Muppet Show's coming there. Anything Disney owns, pretty much, has some kind of representation on Disney+. Plus. So, it is a huge library, considering the fact that it's only owned by one studio. You know, it came out so recently, and I've been on it since day one, and it's really never disappointed me. I use it mostly for Star Wars things and Marvel things, but, like, if you go through the, like, list of movies, you can go just alphabetically every movie they have on there. It is so much stuff. That is just like mm-hmm. either really good or not very good, but you love it because it is from your childhood or something like that. Six ninety nine a month is a pretty great price considering I don't think there's any moratoriums on like how many screens you can have at once and everything is like very HD and you get everything you want. I, yeah, I you think know it's what? A- I don't like their list feature. Because the way I use my it's, list it's is, bad. well, I'll yeah. go A to Z through, like, movies and TV shows and just pick the stuff that I want so I don't have to look through the whole thing. I can just go to my list, usually. And you can't do that on Disney Plus for whatever reason. There's a cutoff. There's only so much you can have at one time on your list, which I think and is really dumb. They did a really good job of, they didn't completely reinvent the wheel. There is a decent amount of Netflix's interface incorporated into Disney Plus's interface. But I think it's really streamlined, it looks really sleek, and the option of having all the different stuff at the top is really smart. So you've got your Star Wars category, your Marvel category, Nat Geo, Pixar, and Disney. It's really easy to browse. This is a really solid streaming service. Disney, I think, took their time to get into the streaming game to make sure they had all their ducks in a row. And this is a really competitive price point, $7 a month. No ads, 
that's fantastic. It's half the price of Netflix, and I think it's got way more quality content. I think it's got content for all ages. This is ultimately the family streaming service, I think. This is, mm-hmm. if you have children of any age, I would say this is the streaming service to get because there's endless hours of stuff on there for them, and there's also really high-quality adult-oriented entertainment for you. They came a little late to the game, but they were planning the whole time. It wasn't just like, oh, we need to become a part of this market. They were scanning the successes and failures of everything that came before them and really came in hot with uh, with what we have now. Let's talk about CBS All Access slash Paramount Plus, a name transition that is forthcoming. For- They've actually recently very significantly cut their prices. I don't remember exactly what they used to be, but now with ads, it's only $6 a month or $59.99 a year. No ads, $9.99 a month, uh, $99.99 a year. Relatively competitively priced. Quality of the original content, actually pretty good. They've got The Good Fight, uh, Stephen King's The Stand, which is getting not good reviews, Star Trek Discovery, Star Trek Picard, and Jordan Peele's The Twilight Zone. And their outside content, It should be the entire CVS back catalog, and it just isn't. Like, there's some stuff on there. They've got Blue Bloods, The Brady Bunch, Frasier, whatever. They've also got other outside content. Like, they also have Avatar The Last Airbender, the Smithsonian Channel, the Indiana Jones films, the Star Trek films. Everything that they have that's not original content, pretty much, is on another streaming service. They've got content that's worth having a month for. There's nothing on here worth keeping it around. And look, that could change with Paramount+. Plus. Paramount+, Plus could knock it out of the park. They could come on with tons more original content. They could have exclusive Paramount stuff. But right now, they just don't. Ooh. Spoiler alert, this is the bottom of my list. Yeah. CBS All Access. A lot of their stuff is also blocked behind the paywall. So if you had the ads version, it's not only restricting you to watch with ads, but we'll see this come back later. Oh, There's that also like, is certain stupid. seasons of stuff you just can't watch. Alright, what do you say we move on to something a little bigger and better? HBO Max, also late to the party. Yeah, the... HBO Max to me was already, it came out super late. It came out the most expensive one at like 16 bucks a month. And I was kind of going to blow it off. And say, oh, it's another streaming service, whatever, I'm not going to get this one. And they just kept talking about stuff. And it's like, oh man, it's really cool. Oh man, look at these modules, these little hub worlds. Oh, I just kept getting sucked more and more in. So yeah, for the whopping price of $16 a month, or if you already have HBO through your cable provider, you can sign in for free, which is a nice perk. Original content, we're looking at their new Looney Tunes stuff. Adventure Time Obsidian, which Ricardo has rec-centered on here before. An American Pickle starring Seth Rogen. Let Them All Talk, the new Steven Soderbergh movie with Meryl Streep in it. Doom Patrol, coming on over from DC Universe making its permanent home HBO Max, but similar to Infinity Train, HBO, Infinity Train. Yes. Yes. Very similarly to Disney plus, they are really blurring the line between what constitutes original content and what constitutes, you know, exclusive or outside content, because obviously they have all previous HBO content, that's talking about, you know, The Wire, The Sopranos, all HBO movies, Game <laughs> of Thrones, if you're into that sort of thing. <laughs> we have talked a lot about how HBO Max is going to be the exclusive streaming home of all of the Warner Brothers movies coming out in 2021. We mentioned earlier they have the exclusive streaming rights to Friends. They have 
all the crazy DC Universe movies. They've got the DC Batman animated series, Batman Beyond, the Harley Quinn show. Turner Classic Movies has dozens of classic older films streaming on there. Adult Swim is the exclusive North American home of Studio Ghibli, Cartoon Network, Sesame Workshops. So you've got Sesame Street. They've got Elmo has his own <laughs> HBO Max That's original late night show on there. Crunchyroll. <laughs> if you're killing into... Jimmy Fallon, <laughs> um, Crunchyroll. If you're to, into Aminase, <laughs> a fantastic streaming service. It's like eight streaming services in one. It more than justifies its price tag. There is something yeah, maybe that's why everyone. it's so high on my list too. Is that it does feel like with the addition of you know the DC universe and all these classics, it is really something for everyone. The content spans everything, and there's enough of it in each category where it's not just like, oh, you know, they've got a little bit of anime, they've got a little bit of classics, a little bit of DC. It's like everything with a price point of fifteen ninety nine a month. That is a little, you know tug on your collar a little bit but it's a lot it's kind of one of the only ones on this list that i can see where if the price is in double digits it's really really worth it if you have this you can more than justify this being the only streaming service you have and now that they're finally on you know platforms that you actually want to watch them on you know they took forever to come to fire stick forever to come to roku they actually are accessible now I think they more than justify their price tag. And if you are, and if you listen to this show, you probably are somebody that wants to stream a lot of content that has a variety of tastes. This is the service for you. I can go in and watch The Grim Adventures of Billy and Mandy <laughs> and then go watch Rashomon all in the same streaming service. We talk about it a lot, and we talked about it earlier with Godzilla versus Kong. But, like, just to know that HBO Max is going to be, like, the place to go for big movies for a while. Like, specifically, we know, yeah, Netflix gets a new round of stuff every once in a while, and they have their originals and other stuff every once in a while. But we know for a fact HBO Max is just going to be, if you want something brand new, theater, caliber, anything, it's going to be there for a while. Next up, we've got the NBC streaming service Peacock which I think suffers from a lot of the same problems that something like CBS All Access does and Hulu, except they have the brilliant stroke of having a free tier, which uh, for me alleviates a lot of their issues. So there's a free tier, they have limited ads for $5 a month, and no ads for $10 a month. Original content, the Safe by the Bell reboot, Brave New World, and AP Bio. I mean, outside content, obviously again blurring the line because it's all NBC content, Law & Order, the exclusive streaming home of The Office now, um, Parks and Recreation. Real quick, I just want to throw in another like, I mean, uh, outside content. I'm not sure which stuff. tier it's on, but the Fifty Shades of Grey movies uh, exclusively streaming on Peacock. You have you, you have to rent them or buy them anywhere else, but Peacock has the hookup, boys. Let me tell you. <laughs> no one else is going to do it, so I've got I've to put my foot down. Are oh, you happy, Diego? Is, is this what you want? <laughs> I'm, I'm three for three. I'm Trey for Trey on the Fifty Shades references. Uh, you guys got to come in next week or else I'm going to be the fool. That... That's true. Uh, back to business. Um, I, I know you, you, you touched on it before. There is, you know, for the free tier, I believe there's 
for their more popular things like uh, The Office and Parks and Rec, I think you only have access to a few of the earlier seasons unless you, you sign up for the uh, subscription, right? That being said, I really like to use Peacock's free feature. Like, I think it's it's really nice to just... It is truly the equivalent of, like, just browsing cable. That's except nice. I don't have to pay for it. Because it's free. But if you're on a budget, Peacock's the way to go. Just because there's plenty of stuff that you can watch for free on Peacock that's not behind paywalls. As long as you don't care about watching The Office right, for the yeah. 80th time. A lot of people use Netflix just for their Office and Friends. And now that that's gone, if they can't stand up with their own originals for longer... Peacock might be replacing something like that. Finally, moving on to our last streaming service, Apple TV Plus, at a cheap, cheap price of $5 a month. Really, it's a weird streaming service in that it is only original content, pretty much. Like, Ted Lasso, Dickinson, The Morning Show, two different Snoopy shows, M. Night Shyamalan's Servant series, which is supposed to be good. Movies, they've got Greyhound... That new oh, yeah. Cherry movie starring Tom Holland. It's really weird because really the only outside content they have had up until this point is that Damn, they have the Peanuts man. holiday specials. They have really, really good content. Like, all of their content is genuinely good that I've seen. So, for the price, I think that this is, if you are a very casual media consumer and you don't want to spend a ton of money on media... I think this is the service to go with, because you just spending $5 a month, you can watch it on your phone, you can watch it on, like, whatever you want easily, assuming you're an Apple person, I guess. I mean, I'm sure they have an Apple TV app probably for Android or whatever, but it's a very streamlined interface, and you know that whatever you choose to watch on this service is going to have a pretty good mark of quality. I think in terms of the average quality of the content on the service... This is by far the highest. Yeah, I, I from the titles that I recognize from this list here, it is definitely like there. I know Disney Plus is doing a lot of like super high budget television shows right now, but if that's literally the only thing Apple TV is going to focus on is their like the high quality of their originals, then there could be something here. Especially like you said, if it is so accessible at four ninety nine, and I also think a lot of. Similarly to Hulu, there are a lot of opportunities to get or Apple TV Plus subscription with a lot of electronics purchases. I think they're trying to package that together a lot more now. I really, honestly, oh. am shocked by how much I like it. Well, I'm, I'm definitely curious to see where this is going to fall in your rankings. Why don't we get to that then? Yeah, let's. I'm, I'm, I'm in. I'm ready. Guys, what is your bottom of the barrel streaming service? Like, what is the streaming service that you don't think people should even have? Oh man, I feel like we're all gonna have the same list. Uh, Sorry, Paramount Plus. Paramount Plus. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Good. Definitely. There, we don't even have to like explain that very much. All right. What what goes above that? Because honestly, Garrett, with your praise of Apple TV Plus, I think we might even split starting now. Honestly, this is gonna be this is gonna be an unpopular one. I'm putting Netflix. Netflix Whoa. is next up for me. The second to last is Netflix? Like, That's... I would rather have... I love Stranger Things. I love The Crown. I, I love Spike Lee. It's not It's not enough to save oh, Netflix in my eyes. I think it's too early for Peacock in my mind. I know I know they've got the free tier, but I think the... maybe if I revisit it in like a year, I would maybe change my tune. 
I will say the only thing saving Peacock from being the spot for me is the free tier. I got you. What about you, Ricardo? What what goes there for you? Peacock. Yeah, I just it's it's a content issue. There's just not enough. It's good content. It's just not enough for me yet, and that's pretty much it. Next for me is Peacock because I do okay. agree it's limited compared to the content of other services. But the fact that it has a free tier and is so easily accessible, it has so many titles that I enjoy and recognize at a free price. That's hard to not enjoy. God, what a, I feel bad putting Apple TV up on the chopping block, but I just I've never really had any experience with it. You know, I I want to watch Ted Lasso. I've heard amazing things about it. I don't know. Cherry looks like it's going to be Garbo, so maybe that's <laughs> dragging me down. Apple TV Plus, it goes in my third spot. Ricardo, did you do your third? You know, you know, Tubi, that's what I'm putting there. I'm putting Tubi oh, in there. get out of here. Tubi's <laughs> Tubi's dead. free, right. too. He's got Long just as live much Tubi. merit as Peacock. <laughs> my fourth is going to be Apple TV. Because, and that that is not me saying, like, I think there is a huge step up from Peacock to Apple TV. But I do think that, for me personally, there's such a small content depth right now. Well, how are we doing this? How many more do we have after this one? So after this one, there will be four left. Apple Apple TV? I guess I'll throw that in there. My fourth, I'm putting up Netflix, finally. I, I, I couldn't quite put it at the bottom. I'm giving it a good middle ground because it is that like weird brand recognition loyalty to like I guess it's Netflix. It has enough that I like. So we just oh, finished okay. fifth yeah. place. My fourth place. This is when it starts to get a little hard for me because I do like all of the remaining ones. I guess my fourth place I'd have to put Amazon. I thought that was going to be a lot higher in my list, but the problems that we talked about with like just like finding things that you can actually watch on Prime. It really it it's annoying enough where that's it's where it stays my fourth place is also amazon especially because i think a lot of the selling points that amazon has for me you know their classic film collection and newer releases are things that i think hbo does better Alrighty, okay um third place ricardo where you at amazon i guess putting yeah Uh, my third place, I'm going to have to throw Hulu up there for no other reason than uh, I think the other two that I have left are better. I have no real gripes against Hulu. It gets the bronze. That's where I'm at, too. Yeah, Hulu, solid third place. And now, I yeah, I really don't know where we're going to go over here. I'm just going to th- throw out there second place. Uh, I hate to do it to you, HBO Max. I think I'm just on my Disney Plus more. I think there's more stuff there I'm on there for often. I think HBO Max has an incredible library, and, you know, they're obviously getting that Warner Brothers lineup that I'm excited as hell for, but in terms of Star Wars and Marvel, I get I get fanboyed in, man. I get sucked into it. So I guess that's my number two and number one there at the end. Disney Plus wins it for me. Wow, my second place is Disney Plus. Mm-hmm. We broke because again. I think that while I enjoy a lot of the content on Disney Plus, most of it is revisiting stuff I've already seen, um, with the exception of their original content. While it does have a very wide array of stuff, there is a maturity and a sense of adult-oriented content that is just sorely lacking from Disney Plus. Disney Plus is sugary cereal, and sometimes I want a meal. 
but all they have is sugary cereal, really. That's a pretty decent analogy, because I do love sugary cereal, even though I know it's there are better things out there sometimes. Ricardo, what 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 side of the line do you fall on on this finale here? Can I can I just say the Hulu Disney Plus bundle? I couldn't separate <laughs> the two. I don't know. I don't remember. I threw Tubi in there. Don't <laughs> worry. What's your absolute number one right now? Oh, it's got to be HBO, man. I think we're all on the same page with that. There's just so much stuff. We hope you enjoyed that. We know we changed it up a little bit, but I think that was really good. I, we've been talking about doing that for a long time. Take our recommendations. Go yeah. go try out some of the I stuff know. you maybe would not have. All right, let's 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 move on, though, to our pop culture reference. You like anime, you weebs? Oh, God, what is That's that the theme song? To Evangelion, an anime I've never seen. I just like that song a lot. <laughs> Isn't it Evangelion? We're going to be talking about, just this is going to be a quick pop culture reference. What constitutes an anime? We're not going to be diving into the history of anime or anything crazy like that, partially because we are not qualified to talk about that. <laughs> um, yeah, as much as me and Ricardo bring up animes on this show sometimes, we're we're at the, like the lowest level of that kind of fan, so... We, we don't have all of the inside info. We brought up anime, you know, during our big streaming services discussion. We also brought it up a couple of times because Netflix is producing animes. And so that kind of got us thinking and talking. What does constitute anime? Because I had originally been under the presumption that anime had to be produced in Japan. But it's kind of been broadened to a general animation style. So now it's kind of like Champagne. I think, even though, like, it doesn't come from the anime region of Japan, but it's still an anime, you know? <laughs> That's a great way to put it, I think. It's a good analogy. Some hallmarks of anime as an art form, like, you know, just like animation is an art form, not a genre, anime usually has animation, it's usually animated on twos or sometimes even threes, I think. Like, it's got uh, it's got lower frames than, like, traditional Western animation. <laughs> Um, so we're saving all the budget for the action sequences. So when they're just but, kind of standing around and talking, it's very stiff positions where only the mouth just kind of flaps open. So, I mean, like, that's really the extent of this pop culture reference, is that an anime can be anything that claims to be an anime now. It doesn't have to come from Japan. So Netflix is Avatar's making a Kong Skull an anime. Island anime. Prove me wrong. Think of us when you, you know, when you're watching your Crunchyroll content on HBO Max. <laughs> Let's move on to our pop quiz, boys. Pop 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 quiz. Ricardo is ahead, six to three. Seamus, you are getting your butt kicked. There needs to be a comeback time soon, or else I'm just gonna be a fool for the rest of these weeks. You get to choose, of course, since you lost last week. The category for this week. Your categories are. Streaming services, or the Lara Croft anime. As far as I know, Ricardo, you don't know jack about the Tomb Raider, so I'm going the, with the Lara Croft anime. You guys know the rules. Whichever one of you gives me the correct answer first gets the point if you say it at the exact same time, or neither of you is able to get it. We move on to the second question as a tiebreaker. Which Lara Croft continuity will the new anime follow? The Angelina Jolie movies, the Alicia Vikander movie, the Square Enix reboot trilogy, or the original game series. 
Square Enix Reboot Trilogy. Oh, I really do not know which one of you that was, especially because we've got these stupid delays on here. Oh, no! (laughs) So, it is time to move on to our streaming services tiebreaker question. Are you boys ready? Let's do this. In 2000, what company turned down an offer to purchase Netflix for $50 million? Blockbuster. Blockbuster. That was Seamus by a hair. Oh, yeah, baby. What? Yeah, I'm back on the board. Yes. That cannot be true. <laughs> that didn't happen on my end. I heard it before you said it on my end, boy. Seamus is back in the game <laughs> with four whole points. Welcome back to WandaVisionaries, the show where we break down the latest episode of WandaVision on Disney+. Plus. This is going to be episode four? I don't We interrupt know. this broadcast. Yeah, that's the title. So, okay, we're just marking spoilers right off the bat. I think pretty much for WandaVision, we have to mark spoilers for every episode. Yeah, I think that's a yeah. good idea. We yeah. open, finally, with some good character work and an engaging plot, and I'm so happy to be somewhere that actually has something I can follow and get invested in. Yeah, this is... What you got against sitcoms? <laughs> this was the first episode that was not three-camera sitcom style. It was, like, classic single-cam, full widescreen aspect ratio. MCU. Like we're yeah, like, we're in it now. Officially back. Because we see Monica Rambeau coming back from getting snapped. Excuse me, the blip. Is this um, the first time we've seen, like, the immediate chaos that would be bringing back half of the human population out of nowhere we saw it was humorously uh, far from home yeah but nothing like as more play for laughs yeah exactly but But this with her in the hospital is like the most logical like freak out option of like what would happen that we haven't really gotten to dissect a little bit more of and i love that the hospital is like we're at capacity we can't take this many people and i was like relevant yeah yeah <laughs> wink wink political <laughs> but i mean what a stellar cold open oh hell yeah really we've got a couple of big returning characters well big in quotes i guess big for this series excuse um, me sir Johnny Woo is amazing. <laughs> is that why his name is actually Jimmy Woo and you don't know it? See, that was your pop quiz, Garrett. You passed. Yeah, Jimmy Woo from Ant-Man and the Wasp is back. Randall Park. Love him to death. He's doing magic. Yeah, he's doing the, the card trick, <laughs> which is just fantastic. Love that. For the first time since Thor the Dark World, Kat Dennings' Darcy Lewis yeah. makes a return. So... Not like we thought at the end of last episode, a government Truman show. It is Wanda officially making her own dream world. Yeah, she's like a bad guy. Clearly she is... I don't know if it's fair to call her a bad guy. I don't know, man. She's the antagonist of this series who is unwillfully imprisoning an entire town of people. Yeah, that's she's a pretty big going reveal. going through a thing. Right, but she's not the, well. the way she says, I yeah, have this all, all under control. All villains are going through a thing. Yeah, exactly. Like, we all kind of had some sort of inkling that it was Wanda's grief manifesting in some kind of, you know, virtual universe that she's, like, trapped herself inside of. But this episode, we find out that it's a real town. There are real people inside that are playing these characters that are, like, trapped. And that gives us a whole new you know, view on all the creepy 
unsettling behavior that we've been seeing from these, you know, neighbors and townsfolk of Westview. This is what I've been waiting for from the show is enough answers that I'm actually engaged in what's happening. (laughs) Now I'm on board. Vision gets to have a a creepy, uh, I'm a... Oh, we're just jumping into that, huh? Yeah, zombie vision. Freaked the hell out of me this morning, man. I don't think I've ever been disturbed by a marvel thing before but that that got you jesus Just gray vision with the big hole in his head it's freaky stuff is it actually his corpse or is it literally just like a like a vision like a memory of him and she's like blocking out i mean i was kind of yeah she weakened at bernie's i was gonna say i kind of weakened at bernie's all this you know in my own mind this is like she's freaking out man she's she's all messed up she could be just has this robot corpse at her disposal that she can't let go of. She has literally nowhere to go. Like, Wanda doesn't have any friends. She's she- got Hawkeye. If we're really gonna... <laughs> okay, if we're gonna talk about the four things we know about Wanda Maximoff from the movies before this, Dead Brother, sure. Of course. That's a given. She's sleeping with a robot. That's another given. Inconsistent accent. Playful playful relationship with Hawkeye. He's the one who recruited her to be an Avenger. Those are the four things we know about her. Yeah, that's true. I mean, you know, she has a passing familiarity with all the, the other Hawkeye's Avengers. busy getting rid of his Mohawk. One of the only things I like about Civil War is when he shows up to get her out of Avengers Tower and she asks him what he's doing there and he says disappointing my kids. I'm like, yeah, that's good. <laughs> so I like that one. She also it's really fun. messes up Vision in that part. An actual character moment that builds into the darkness of that character that we actually get to see in the show. Oh, there was a couple other things. We get a little bit of explanation about the helicopter and the beekeeper, which adds to our theories about things passing through whatever barrier is around Westview. They kind of get assimilated into this uh, automatically rather than like you know, specifically manipulated by Wanda in some way. It's just kind of whatever goes through the the border of the town gets changed to adapt into the world that she's in at the moment. I like that a new one, thanks to this show, is that in-universe, Wanda's just a big old nerd. She loves TV. Like She knows a lot about the history of television, apparently. Yeah, I guess she watched a lot of American sitcoms in Sokovia growing up. Well, it really actually kind of makes sense because growing up in a soviet era eastern european country would probably have you watching a lot of old western television yeah that makes sense like that's a real thing shout out to diego because he we were talking about this the other night and he brought up that there's apparently a kevin feige interview where he brings up just that that like that's how she learned english with pietro's through television they were super poor so all they really had consistently was television think that's a very interesting and true-to-life detail that maybe a lot of people are just kind of going along for the ride and wouldn't put the the larger connection together i actually liked this episode i was satisfied by this episode and feel like i'm actually going to be engaged going forward i was on board day one but this episode cemented it i'm in i love it yeah, straight up. I'm I'm on the same page as you, Ricardo. I, I really loved all the campy goof stuff in these sitcom episodes, but now that we have this episode on the record here, it we're all caught up. The setup outside, the people going in, the radio signal. Yeah, moving forward, we're only going to get more cool answers. 
Okay, now it's time to save the rec center, where we give you our weekly recommendations. I'm just gonna take one right out the bat. I've been plugging Apple TV Plus this whole episode, and my family and I recently started watching The Morning Show, starring Reese Witherspoon, Jennifer Aniston, and Steve Carell, co-starring Billy Crudup and Mark Duplass, and I gotta say... It is really, really good. Like, I did not have super high expectations. I thought it would be fine. But it is the best TV drama that I have watched in I do not know how long. Also, Billy Crudup, who I do not normally care for very much as an actor, is completely unhinged, <laughs> and it's insane. Damn, that sounds really cool. Ricardo, what do you got for the rec center this week? I don't know if I've talked about this before. I've, have I mentioned Big City Greens ever officially? I have no idea what that you is. might have, because I feel like I remember bringing up Caldwell Tanner. <clears throat> yeah, yeah, yeah. Big City Green, it's a Disney animated series. It's essentially the same plot as the Beverly Hillbillies. It's just the farm workers, farm people. Uh, they lose the farm and they move in with uh, their grandmother in the big city. Very simple premise, but you know the characters are really charming. They all have very distinct personalities. The writing is really funny. Seamus was saying Caldwell Tanner, a former like college humor writer, and that's a lot of the writer's room on that show. Check it out. It's on Disney Plus, the first two seasons, I think. It's a charming show. Yeah, I've, I've caught a couple episodes of that. It is, it is very fun, for sure. What do you got, Seamus? Well, this week, I've got a classic, a 1986 classic, Ruthless People, with Danny DeVito and Bette Midler. It is... <laughs> I had never heard of it before, and I think my uncle recommended it to my mom, who then put it on as a family movie. It's just hilarious. Danny DeVito is trying to murder his wife, and she <laughs> she ends up getting... You can stop. You can stop right now. I am in. Oh, my God. It, it gets wackier than that, Ricardo. It's he On the day he's going to murder his wife... And, like, whatever, set it up like she was murdered by somebody. She gets kidnapped and is being held for ransom by disgruntled people that know Danny DeVito. You know, never heard of it before. Watched it and loved it. It's basically like a Frank Reynolds prequel because he's just, like, the biggest <laughs> scumbag businessman on the planet. <laughs> and it's Danny DeVito, so, you know, he's he's going to play it well and so funny and, I don't know. Very highly recommended. It, this plot sounds like silly Fargo. It's a lot like silly say, Fargo, Fargo, yeah. I was literally going to say it's Fargo. <laughs> it's exactly what it is, guys. So if you like that, please give it a shot. I don't think it's on anything streaming for free. We had to rent it on Amazon Prime, I think. But if you get the chance, it's it's a riot. Rent it, support your local library. You know the drill. Or, you know, maybe uh, read a book. <laughs> get out of here. You could read a book sometime. What's a what are book? you, some kind of book doctor? Get out of here, nerd. <laughs> All right. Well, that wraps us up for this episode of Pop Culture Reference. If you want to reach the show, you can tweet us at PCR underscore podcast. Find us on Instagram at that handle as well. You can email us at popculturereferencepod at gmail.com. Let us know if you try any of the streaming services, what you guys think. Tell us how we're idiots. <laughs> We'd love to hear that. Comment, leave a like. You guys know what to do. Come back next week where we'll be talking Scott Pilgrim, the video game. We're also going to have a YouTube-exclusive playthrough of Scott Pilgrim, the video game coming to our YouTube channel 
under the new series Pop Culture Replay. So, really excited for you guys to check that out. We'll be sure to link it on our socials when it comes out. We'll talk about it on the show next week as well. But until then, have a good Adios, one. Adios, amigos.